While You Were Folding, Episode 15, Evangelizing at the Dermatologist's Office. Hi, I'm Katherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things, marriage, parenting, faith, friendship, culture, what I'm reading and watching, and whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been a wife for 10 years and a mother for eight. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will introduce you to some amazing guests, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Merciful Father, thank you for the gift of this Easter season. Please help us to continue diving deeper into the truth of what this season means for each of us individually. And please continue to bless us and help us to continue to reap the fruit of whatever Lenten resolutions we had, that we can continue to stay strong and firm in hopefully some new beautiful habits that we've gained, whether it's in prayer or extra practices that we've been trying to implement into our spiritual life. But more than anything else, don't let us get wrapped up in that. Just help us to remember how much you love us, and to really lean into that mercy and to trust that you've got this and that you're going to help us through whatever challenges we're facing today in our vocations as wives and mothers. And help us just to trust in that. We pray this through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. Um, I don't know about you, but the Easter Bunny made a visit to my house this last Sunday. It turns out if you're out of town on Easter Sunday like we were because we were in Disney World, that the Easter Bunny visits your house on Divine Mercy Sunday. Did you know that that's a thing? And you know what? The Easter Bunny, he is so lazy this year and he's really forgetful. He didn't show up to our house first thing in the morning. He showed up mid-morning after Mass on Sunday. Philip was in the basement playing with the kids. And I had mysteriously disappeared for a little bit while the kids were playing downstairs with with Philip. And then I was able to rejoin everyone a little bit later. And then we discovered that the Easter Bunny had visited us. So he was a week late, but he showed up and the kids were pretty excited about that. (laughs) So that was awesome. Um, also let's talk about the weather. I don't know about what the weather looks like in your part of the country, but I am at my wits and it feels like mother nature is just playing some terrible, horrible, not funny at all joke on all of us here in Nebraska because we were gone for it, but it snowed on Easter Sunday, April 1st, April Fool's Day. And then it snowed again. I think it was a couple days after that. And then we had this beautiful spring weather today. It got, I think, all the way up into the 70s, maybe. In the sun, it felt really warm. And then I looked at the forecast for the rest of this week, and people, there is snow in the forecast in a couple of days. And I'm ready to cry because last week, 
at our kids' school, they have a lift on the rule that you have to wear pants, and now the boys and girls are allowed to wear shorts as of a certain date, um, which is awesome, but it's been too cold for the kids to get to wear the shorts. And so poor Walt, the first grader, his uniform pants, he has grown a lot this year, and he looks like he has high waters, because he does. And... um So everyone, if you have size seven Navy boy uniform pants, go ahead and donate them to my home because I am not willing (laughs) to buy new uniform pants uh, at this point in the school year. So size seven Navy pants, if you have some laying around your house, you can just feel free to donate them over here. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, Also, the end of the year school chaos is happening right now. For our household, it feels like we are just inundated right now with the end of the year finales, celebrations, meetings galore, and it's a little bit overwhelming, so much so that I actually told the kids today that I cannot wait to have them all home for summer because I know that that is going to be easier than having to run around and do the chaos of the end of the school dance that you always have to do. Um, but really I am looking forward to having all of the kids home for summer, not just because it's fun to have the more relaxed schedule and get to just have some downtime, but it is so much easier to have all four of them home, especially when the big kids are here because they are so helpful. Once we reached about age four for Jane, our oldest, we just had this turning point where it was amazing. I was able to do things like shower and know that things would not be completely destroyed by the time I got out a little bit later. Um, But now with Jane being eight and Walt is almost seven and Harry is four and a half and Dorothy just turned two last week, things are really turning a corner around here. And so I'm excited to have all four of them home this summer. Um, What's the end of the school year looking like at your house? Is it crazy? I think at this time of the year, I always have this existential crisis and start to think, oh, God, are you, are you trying to tell me that maybe I'm called to homeschool? Because I'm kind of feeling like I'm losing my mind with all of the different demands (laughs) on our schedule right now. And as I've talked about in previous episodes, the episode about how we Sabbath, we don't really do all that much that's extra around here. So if I'm at my wits end, I can only imagine what other families who have other external commitments have going on. Um, But yeah, I'd love to know how you're doing with the end of the school year. But Let's move on to the main topic for today of evangelizing at the dermatologist's office. So I have a really serious history of skin cancer in my family. We are very fair skinned people. And I went to the dermatologist this morning for my annual head to toe mole check. And if you are fair skinned, if you have a history of significant sunburns, and if you have a family history of skin cancer, I am just going to get on my soapbox for a minute and tell you, go to the dermatologist. It's so easy. And it's, I was was going to say it's painless. It's not always painless if you have to get moles removed like I did today. (laughs) Um, But it is so worth it because skin cancer and all of the horrible things that come from it 
we can get it caught early. So go to the dermatologist, get checked out, put on sunscreen every single day. I'm going to sound like an old lady nagging you right now, but I don't even care because skin cancer is no joke. So please do yourself a favor, do your family a favor, get yourself checked out. Your health is well worth it. I went for my first mole check last year at this time as part of my year of me that I did after our daughter Dorothy was born because I decided it was finally time for me to start taking care of myself. And um, you might not want to do it the way I did it. (laughs) I decided in that year to do my first head-to-toe mole check. I had a colonoscopy at age 32. It was not nearly as bad as I thought it would be, but my family also has a history of the bad stuff going on with the colon. So I wanted to get that checked out because I had already had a baby that year. I had met my deductible. So why not? Let's do a colonoscopy (laughs) and do all the other fun stuff. But um, anyway, back to the story. I went to the dermatologist this morning because I wanted to have my head to toe mole check. And then my hormonal acne has totally been flaring up lately. But before I get into the history of my skin, and introduce what happened today, I have to play a clip from my one of my favorite movies called Scent of a Woman. Have you seen this movie? It came out in 1992, and Chris O'Donnell is one of the main characters. He was my 90s crush, and he plays Charlie Sims. And rather than try to describe the movie on my own, I really like Wikipedia's summary. They say, To pay for a flight home to Oregon for Christmas, Charlie accepts a temporary job over Thanksgiving weekend to look after retired Army Ranger Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade, whom Charlie discovers to be a cantankerous, blind alcoholic. Okay, so that's the description of the movie. And this is the scene where Charlie, played by by Chris O'Donnell, meets Colonel Slade, played by Al Pacino. How's your skin, son? I like my age to be presentable. Well, I... I've had a few zits. Um... But my roommate, he let me his clinic because he's from Chestnut Hill and he's got... The History of My Skin by Charles Sims. If you haven't seen Scent of a Woman, I don't uh, think that would be one that I would recommend you watch with the kids. (laughs) There's quite a bit of language and lots of stuff going on there. But all in all, it's a great movie. It's not for those who maybe have some struggles with alcoholism in your family or other stuff, but good acting, good writing, lots of great moments in that film. Anyway, so I'm at the dermatologist's office this morning and... To tell the story, I feel like I have to tell the history of my skin, like Charles Sims. And Philip and I have this running joke when one of us gets caught in a conversation where someone's getting a little bit long-winded about something, or even if it's one of us, (laughs) we interject and say, the history of my skin by Charles Sims. And it's this whole thing with us. But anyway... (laughs) I have a long history with hormonal acne, and it goes back to my teenage years. And I actually went through and did 
rounds on antibiotics of every different kind, and they didn't seem to do much. And at that point, we discovered that I was actually allergic to tetracycline. And so that one was no longer an option. And then I went on Accutane, and I did three rounds of Accutane. And if you're not familiar with Accutane, Accutane is this really, really strong, really, really effective acne medication, but it comes with horrible side effects. So horrible, in fact, that it can cause in a woman who is pregnant, the unborn child to have horrible defects come about and can cause miscarriage and lots of horrible things can happen. So understandably, doctors get very concerned when a woman goes on Accutane. And because I was a teenage girl, I was told that I had to go on birth control when I was on Accutane. But fortunately, my parents were firm that that wasn't something that I was going to do. And so instead, we worked it out so that I would do a monthly urine test at my dermatologist's office to confirm that I was not pregnant because I refused to go on birth control because I was not sexually active and that wasn't something that my family felt comfortable with. So yeah, I went on Accutane three different times in high school and it treated the worst of the really painful cystic acne, but I would still have flare-ups when it was about around the time of my period or around the time that I was ovulating. Um, But it wasn't until... A couple of years ago, probably, I would have more and more flare-ups between pregnancies. I have the best skin I've ever had since my te- teenage years when I'm pregnant because I don't have the hormonal roller coaster leading up to the beginning of my cycle every month. Um, but when I'm between pregnancies and my cycle returns, my acne gets horrible. And because we've been doing NFP since we were engaged... Um, just because I was trying to learn about my cycles at that point, that's when I started to realize that connection between when I was getting close to the start of my period and around the time that I was ovulating, that was always when my cycle was the worst. And just this last year, I decided I wanted to go back to the dermatologist and find a dermatologist now that I'm an adult and try to get a solution for this hormonal acne that's gotten progressively worse and worse and worse after each child. Um, And so I went to the doctor last year and she prescribed me some topical treatments and told me at that point that because I had done all of the different antibiotics and I was actually allergic to the most aggressive one, that that wasn't going to be an option. And Today, we revisited what my options are because I'm not having success with the topical treatments. And those of you who struggle with acne also know that a common treatment for a topical treatment is to do benzoyl peroxide, which is that lovely thing that dyes all of the towels and bedding and clothing that it comes in in contact with. It bleaches it. Um, so I did not want to deal with that, but anyway, we were talking about my options for treating my hormonal acne today. And she said, well, we, if you are still wanting to have children and you're doing NFP natural family planning, and we can't do the antibiotics, really 
the last resort you have in the world of acne treatment is going back on Accutane. But clearly that's not an option because of the possibility of me getting pregnant. And as a last resort, you have this option. It's a blood pressure medication called spironolactone. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And basically, this blood pressure medication, it's an androgen blocker. It stops different hormones like progesterone, which you get a spike of when you're leading up to your period. She told me that I'm not going to outgrow this, that I'm fighting my genetics with my kind of acne. It's this really painful cystic acne that pops up based on what's going on in my cycle with my hormones. And so... I said, well, I don't know about that medication because since we're doing NFP, I have to really keep a close eye on what's going on with my cycle. And this started this huge conversation about natural family planning and how it works. And she started asking some questions and wanted to learn more. And it turned into this great evangelization opportunity because she had a very loose understanding of what natural family planning was. And so she started by saying, so do you just count days? How do you know what's going on? And I, I went into my whole spiel and it was awesome because I had this chance to really talk with this dermatologist who I really like a lot. She's a young woman and you could tell she was really interested because she had never spoken with anyone who does natural family planning. And so I explained, well, no, I don't just count the days. The way it works is we use the Marquette method of natural family planning and there are a couple of different kinds. But the way the Marquette method works is we are going to observe my cervical mucus throughout my cycle. And I didn't get into the details of how that works. But I wanted to really emphasize, since she's a dermatologist, she's gone through medical school, she's probably going to be more excited about the scientific side of things. So I focused more on the Marquette method using a clear blue easy fertility monitor. And I said, so I use urine samples and the testing sticks that come with this monitor to check my hormone levels in my urine. And the monitor will check for an uptick, a spike in my estrogen, and that's going to signal that ovulation is coming. And then once the monitor sees in another urine sample in the next couple of days an LH surge, which is another hormone, when the LH surge happens in my urine sample, then that means that I'm within the window of ovulation. So we use that information combined with my cervical mucus to help us pinpoint where my body is in my cycle to understand using that information when we can and cannot be together as a married couple to try and either achieve or avoid a pregnancy. And she, you could tell, was tracking and following the whole conversation, and she was very pleasantly surprised, and she asked a lot of follow-up questions throughout the conversation. And so I was wanting to know, okay, so if I take this blood pressure medication, is that going to affect my cycle? And we were able to have this really in-depth conversation that I don't imagine a lot of doctors, regardless of whether it's dermatology or not 
have with their patients. And she was very pleasantly surprised that I seemed to understand my basic, not just my anatomy, but my physiology, how my body works. And she explained that the dose of this blood pressure medication is low enough that it probably won't affect my cycle, but she couldn't tell me that definitively. And so she asked me as a favor if I could report back to her and explain what kind of side effects I noticed. So unfortunately, that's really my last resort short of going on Accutane. Um, and I'm also going to try another topical treatment for my hormonal acne, but we are committed to avoiding pregnancy right now because of our adoption plans. And I, being a Catholic, am not going to go on hormonal birth control, which is another therapeutic option, which some dermatologists would prescribe. But as I told my dermatologist today, that's not an option for me because I don't want to go on a medication. I didn't go into the moral reasons, but I talked about how I don't want my body's basic physiology as a healthy female to stop working as it's designed to. And I want my, my reproductive system to continue to work in a healthy way, which it is right now. So I, um, plan on starting this blood pressure medication in the hopes that it will be therapeutic for my acne. And it's not supposed to really start making a difference until I've been on it for probably six to eight weeks, probably closer to eight weeks. So it'll take a while to notice. Um, there's a possibility that I might have what's called breakthrough bleeding, during my cycle. And so I'm going to continue to track things really closely to see what happens. But the acne is painful enough and bothersome enough that I'm wanting to try something because it's gotten really, really bad. And it's not a vanity issue for me. I don't really care, but it really hurts. Those of you who have battled painful acne know what I'm talking about. Every time one of my like if I'm playing with my kids on the ground and one of them accidentally bumps me on the face or we're roughhousing or just doing day-to-day stuff, it hurts and they bleed and it's just not fun. So I'm hopeful that this medication won't affect my cycle and that it will be therapeutic, but I am just excited that I was able to open up this conversation with my dermatologist and Not only that, but to show her that, yes, you can do natural family planning, have a really strong understanding of what's going on with your body, and be empowered to make decisions that are going to keep your body healthy and doing what it's designed to do, while also looking out for what's going to happen when you introduce a new medication and have that strong grasp on how it's going to affect things. So... I look forward to reporting back to her and continuing the conversation. And I think she was really receptive and supportive. And it's always so encouraging when you have a physician who maybe is not in complete agreement with why you would choose to continue to use natural family planning to avoid a pregnancy. Um, But it is so encouraging when that medical provider is willing to ask questions to understand more because she very easily could have just sat there and thought, oh, another one of those crazies who's just counting the days and banking on not getting pregnant. But she very clearly 
she knows Philip and knows that he's a doctor. They did some of their training together. And so she knows I'm married to a smart guy who comes from a science background. And clearly he has bought into all of this. And our youngest is two years old. So this natural family planning must have worked for at least two years. But she was just um, a lot more receptive than I think some other doctors that I've had in the past have been. And so I was very pleasantly surprised and encouraged by that. And I wanted to share this story, not only just to highlight how awesome physicians can be if we take the time to slow down and explain things, but to encourage all of us to remember the scientific side of things. And we don't always have to go into the morality of why natural family planning is such a great thing. And I think it's really awesome and beautiful that our culture is embracing being green and natural and all of those things. And conversations like this, it's a natural opportunity for you in a doctor's office to say, you know what, I'm a little bit concerned about introducing that medication and what it can do to my body that is functioning in a very healthy way right now. But Natural family planning, it's a big umbrella topic, and I have friends that are instructors in a lot of the different methods who maybe I should have on in a future episode to talk about natural family planning. I suppose I should have introduced the topic by saying that natural family planning, it's not Catholic contraception or anything like that. It's a way for a man and a woman to understand where a woman is in her cycle using different biomarkers, different things that her body is doing. I mentioned cervical mucus, which is just a natural secretion that a woman has that helps you to understand when you're approaching ovulation. And you can use that. You can use urine samples. There are temperature methods you can take to see when you're going to be ovulating. But anyway, that's not what this episode's about. It's just a way that you can use what information your body is giving you to understand where you are in your cycle and to take that information to help you as a couple, a married couple, to determine whether you are going to use the information to try to achieve a pregnancy or avoid a pregnancy. So yeah, it was a nice little opportunity to have some evangelization without getting into the morality and to share that you can do natural family planning in a way that involves science and works with your body and honors me as a woman and gives us confidence that we know what's happening with my body and can keep me healthy. I got some wonderful feedback about last week's episode. If you haven't heard it yet, back in episode 14, which is called Unequally Yoked with Wendy Clark, We talked about what it was like for Wendy to begin a relationship with a man who at that point was, I think he would have considered himself agnostic at the beginning. And now he is a full-blown Catholic, came into the church a few years ago. And anyway, I received this beautiful email from a listener. Let's go ahead and call her Mary since she hasn't given me permission to share her name. But she said, Hi, Catherine. I just wanted to say thank you, in all caps, for having Wendy Clark share her story on your podcast and for discussing the struggle and hope in marriages that are unequally yoked. 
In the Catholic world, this is a topic rarely brought up, but it's something that many families like mine deal with. Wendy had wonderful advice for spouses like me who are hoping and praying that our husbands or wives will convert. Working on my own relationship with God and focusing on my own salvation has been the most fruitful thing for our marriage. I have a devotion to Mary, undoer of knots, and each time I pray this novena, I experience a real sense of peace that starts within me and spreads into my marriage. There's a beautiful story that goes along with this novena about a couple who had a very troubled marriage, and the Blessed Mother interceded with a miracle for them. Just something I'd love for others to know about if they don't already. Thank you again for the work you do in putting these podcasts together. I love listening while I catch up on housework. Makes the time fly by. That message absolutely made my day. And thank you so much to that listener. You know who you are for reaching out and sharing that with me. All of you who find yourselves in relationships where you are unequally yoked, I am praying for you and I'm rooting for you. And I hope that you will find comfort in knowing that Wendy and so many other women out there know what you're going through. You're not alone. And Jesus and Mama Mary have got this. And I love that listener's suggestion to pray to Mary, undoer of knots. And if you're not familiar with that devotion, just do a quick Google search. And that novena prayer, which is just a prayer that you pray nine days in a row, is a beautiful practice. And I just want to encourage all of you to really take a step back and Consider the advice that Wendy gave all of the listeners. She said that she knew that her husband was not going to follow in her footsteps and come into the church if she wasn't in love with God herself. And so she decided she needed to start leading in that department and make it convincing and show the beauty of the faith. And that's exactly what this listener it sounds like what you're doing in your marriage. And I think that that's so beautiful. So thanks for reaching out and sharing that awesome feedback. I would love to hear from all of you. I want to hear if you are in a relationship that's unequally yoked. And also I heard, excuse my dog, he's sitting at my feet and moving around. Also, After I shared about our trip to Disney World, I got a lot of questions from all of you about that. And I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on traveling with kids. That was the first time we had ever done an airplane with the little ones. But I think maybe it was a little bit unusual that we had four that are relatively young on a trip like that. So I'm planning on having Philip come on the podcast to share about our trip. So if you have any questions you'd like us to answer, go ahead and email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. And it doesn't have to be about travel, but that's what next week's episode is going to be about. But that's really going to do it for this week. I hope you continue to have a wonderful Easter. I hope that you'll reach out and keep sharing the show with your friends and let them know that they're not alone and that I'm here and I'll keep sharing my crazy stories. And until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while you were folding. <laughs>